listening to Talia's Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ. Today's podcast is all about being authentic. Can we live authentically in today's culture in the way it is currently defined? Scripture and social critics have a lot to say about being authentic and what has been coined the self-help movement. Do the mantras of these philosophies belong in the Christian church? Let's listen in on how this topic of being authentic is discussed by our host. Hello and welcome to Tellius Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ. My name is Wendell Martins and I am your host. Every month we discuss a topic which addresses Christian maturity in the light of scriptural apologetics and the way it contrasts with societal and cultural norms. Like so many things that we say and do every day, some of our common phraseology causes me to pause because, to quote Diego Montoya, I do not think it means what you think it means. Among these phrases are things like believe in yourself, trust in yourself, you be you, or be your authentic self. Not to be left behind, Christian false teachers use similar phrases like control what you can, culture of honor seed offering, and live your best life now. These types of sayings are popular with self-care, motivation, and the holistic mental health movement. But are these thoughts and teachings consistent with how scripture tells us to live, and what is the long-term effect of these self-help mantras? Can we, like Popeye, just shrug and say, I am what I am, to justify our attitudes, selfishness, and sin? Like most sin, the problem comes in the misuse or perversion of a biblical directive. Drinking, as described in 1 Timothy 5.23, becomes drunkenness that we read about in Galatians 5.21. Feasting, as described in Exodus 5 verse 1, becomes gluttony that we read about in Proverbs 23 verses 20 through 21. Sex between a husband and a wife, promoted in Genesis 2, verses 24, becomes self-gratification. Premarital sex, homosexuality, and other forms of aberrant sexuality condemned in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Christopher Hitchens used to ask, What is one moral thing a Christian can do that an atheist can't? And the answer, according to apologist Mike Winger, is a simple one. Love God. The reason this is true is that self-love is immoral. The humanistic ideal, the selfishness our society loves so much, is the worship of immorality. Jane Fonda was quoted as saying, The challenge is not to be perfect, it is to be whole. This brings up a notion that we can dismiss our imperfections, our failings, and dare I say our sins, because they are only seen this way in the eyes of others. Instead, If we focus only on our own wholeness, dismissing the critical evaluation of others, then those imperfections somehow cease. Does Jane Fonda's quote act as a counterpoint to Matthew 5, verse 48, which reads, Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What we need to focus on here is, what does wholeness, completeness, or perfection look like? And to that end, is our wholeness who we really are authentically? Let's take a look at the long-term effect of the self-help mantras and authentic living culture promoted around us. To begin with, self-help at its core is a contradiction of terminology. 
It could be argued that self-help, as it applies to one's authenticity, is a logical fallacy. We need to ask, what does it mean to help? To help is clearly defined as doing something for someone, serving someone, or the action of doing or performing for someone, and it can be also defined as an appeal to others for assistance. The writer of Proverbs had this to say in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And later in Proverbs 28, verse 26, this teaching is repeated when we read, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. The psalmist in Psalms 121, verses 1 through 4, makes this statement, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? In the same way, the self-help and authenticity being promoted in today's culture creates unrealistic expectations in those who prescribe to it and does further damage in people by reinforcing the perception of personal inferiority and shame. You're not going to get over a lifetime of feeling inadequate or shame in a single weekend at an expensive retreat or through buying popular books. Proverbs 28:26 very clearly tells us whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Psalms 146:3 verse elaborates on this when it says, "Do not put your trust in princes or mortal men who cannot save." And then in 1 Corinthians 2:14 Paul wrote, "The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him." and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When we think that our problems, inferiority and shame, can somehow be solved by digging deep into ourselves, we are actively rejecting the influence of the Spirit of God. Paul reminds us that in such a position we are prone to folly and misunderstanding. We all know Philippians 4 verse 13 which says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is telling the people of Philippi and us that by making a purposeful decision to be content in Christ, a believer can trust God to provide our true needs and not be consumed with materialism or anxiety. One of the most common effects of the self-help and authentic living lie is the attitude of avoidance fostered by its adherents. This is also commonly known in psychology as analysis paralysis. Typically, Analysis paralysis happens as an anxiety response. It can trigger a cycle of worry, fear, and trepidation that can be hard to disrupt without outside help. Instead of easing mental health, this exacerbates the issues of those seeking respite, strength, and empowerment. Consider what we read in Psalm 62, verse 7. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Where is our refuge and salvation to be found if we look only to ourselves to find strength? As if that wasn't bad enough, the push behind the authenticity movement is motivated by the feelings of validation through emotions. But emotions can be manipulated. Anytime we find ourselves in a place where our emotions are being manipulated, we need to recognize that we are in fact being subjected to abuse. Greg Bognar, senior lecturer in practical philosophy at Stockholm University, wrote, If your happiness is based on manipulation or societal conditioned desires, it cannot be authentic.
Across all cultural worldviews, we find our emotions being fed by psychics and crystals and tarot cards, manifestations, the law of attraction, or nearly anything defined as supernatural. This is why the promoters of the self-help and authentic living lifestyles use cultic brainwashing techniques on their victims. If you can manipulate a person's emotions, they will destroy themselves in an effort to chase a flawed understanding of the happiness that you are selling. Personally, I struggle with churches that market themselves on how a person feels when they are engaged in the service. Yes, when the Holy Spirit is moving and God is working in us, there is bound to be an emotional response. However, Scripture reminds us over and over that God is truth. His word is truth, and His ways are truth. Truth, logic, and reason are the foundations to the philosophy, worldview, and gospel in the Bible. Without truth, how would we go on to do what we were told in Romans 12 verse 2, which reads, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In his prayer recorded in John 17, 3, Jesus says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. How is it that we come to know someone? If we only focus on how someone makes us feel, we cannot truthfully say that we know them. To know someone is to ask them questions, to reason with them, to spend time with them, to disagree with them, and become familiar with who they are. Furthermore, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. When I am with my class and we are discussing the things being taught, I never ask my students to explore their feelings in regards to the subject matter. Such a line of inquiry does not lead to truth, logic, or reason, and so it should be in our churches, our worship, our outreach, and evangelism as well. Now, does that mean that emotions are wrong? No, it just means we need to guard those emotions to see they do not lead us away from the truth. Ultimately, self-help and the modern authenticity movement pushes us away from repentance. We are taught not to acknowledge that we are weak on our own. We are thoroughly unable to be saved through ourselves, and we are in desperate need of a savior. Oz Guinness, in his book Fool's Talk, wrote, Repent was central to the first recorded words of Jesus as he announced the arrival of the kingdom of God. So repent and return are anything but retrograde. They are a call to come back addressed to those who must face up to the fact that they have gone the wrong way and are therefore an absolute requirement for going the right way. Lastly, it is obvious that the purveyors of self-help and the authentic gospel do nothing to support authenticity. The notion of being authentic brings to mind a specific selfishness, where our focus inward is our detachment from community and a denial of our spiritual self. Ultimately, self-authenticity is simply a self-destructive and unfulfilling rebellion. When we look at scripture, we find many examples of selfishness and rebellion. Each one leads to consequences proportional to the sin. Nicholas Hookway, lecturer in sociology at the University of Tasmania, wrote, Despite their prevalence, cultures of self-improvement and authenticity are routinely linked to arguments about increasing narcissism, 
and declining care for others. To further this thought, the American historian, moralist, and social critic Christopher Lash wrote in his book, The Culture of Narcissism, American Life in an Age of Diminishing Expectations, Having sacrificed obedience to a higher authority for an intensive focus on the authentic and self-actualizing self, the modern West is left with amoral, uncaring, and narcissistic selves. Israel worshipped the golden calf when they perceived that Moses and God had abandoned them. They wanted constant stimulation and the God experience. When that waned, they fell into pagan ritual. Exodus 32, 9 and 10 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. So now leave me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make you a great nation. Although God relented in his anger, Moses then instructed the Levites to kill their brothers, friends, and neighbors, and 3,000 were killed. Exodus 32:35 ends by saying, Then the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. This story is the same, whether it is David and Bathsheba, Cain and Abel, the wicked kings of Israel, Adam and Eve, Sodom and Gomorrah, or even Satan. Selfishness and rebellion always result in destruction. What does the Bible say about the authentic man? According to the theology of John Calvin, we are depraved. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 says, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and never sins. And this is a doctrine built from what we read in Genesis 6 verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jesus drove this home in Mark 7, verses 21 through 25, when he said, For from within, out of the heart of men, evil thoughts proceed. Fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, an evil eye, railing, pride, foolishness, and all the evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Thomas Watson, in his book, The Doctrine of Repentance, wrote, a sinner will rather lose Christ and heaven than his lusts. God will hardly show those mercy who sin, because mercy abounds. To be authentic is to be sinful. Author and pastor David Platt has said this about today's church. We are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves, when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. Is he saying that Christians shouldn't be hypocrites, liars, and cheaters? Absolutely. Our authentic life as Christians is taking on the nature of a servant, becoming Christ-like, and abandoning ourselves. Soren Kierkegaard wrote, An individual is said to be authentic if, with his free will and full awareness, he dares to make decisions and is responsible for his actions. We don't need to be authentic as defined by the world. We need to be changed complete in Christ. I recently read an article by Elizabeth Lee and Katie Crabtree in the International Journal of Philosophy and Theology, which stated, The paradox of faith means that the individual's private and inward relationship to God comes before the individual's duty to the universal or the ethical. 
Our faith, then, must always come before or inform our duties, be they universal or ethical. In light of that, what does wholeness, completeness, or perfection look like? And to that end, is our wholeness as Christians who we are authentically? Author and pastor Dale Partridge said, You be you is terrible advice. I don't want to be me. God had to save me from me. Being me sends me to hell, but being in him gives me heaven. In the book of Galatians 6 verse 3, Paul said something similar when he wrote, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Being an authentic Christian is about denying ourselves, as Christ instructed us in Matthew 16, 24. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Our wholeness, our completeness, and our authenticity comes only through Christ. Any other claims to authenticity is a lie. A lie which devours and destroys, leading ultimately to eternal separation from God. As Christians, we should steer clear of those teaching that which tickles our ears, pleasures our emotions, and feeds our pride. There are churches today which blaspheme the name of God when they preach the glorification of the flesh. Turn away from the lie and the sweet-tasting poison which is the authenticity movement. Galatians 5 verse 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, remind us of what it means to be an authentic Christian, one who denies himself, puts his faith ahead of all he does, and becomes complete in you. Lead us not into temptation, but open our eyes so we may discern your truth. We pray for your protection, and we ask that you would bring others into our lives that we might share the good news of the gospel message. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Next month we will be talking about church membership. Are you a member of your church? Should you be? And what does the Bible say about it? I look forward to sharing with you again. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Next month, Tellius Talk will be discussing church membership. Are you a member of your church? Should you be? Join the conversation we are having on Facebook and Twitter after every podcast. Don't forget, our book, Six Good Questions, is available through Amazon. Pick up a copy for yourself and your church library. It is a great resource for small group discussion. As always, it would be good to hear from you. Send us an email at talk at gmail.com. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. We look forward to sharing with you again.